0: All right, so we are in the middle of a series called Holy right now, and uh, if you would like to follow along uh, with me, just open up your cell phone, go to the church app, and my sermon notes are in there, and uh, you could, all the scriptures are in there, and you can email it to yourself as soon as the service is over. Uh, so let me define Holy, if you haven't been here over the past couple weeks. Um, And if you have, it'll be a good refresher. Holy means to be set apart for an honorable use. To be set apart. Um, And the Bible says that he made you holy when you gave your life to Jesus Christ. Let me read you that scripture. Um, It reads like this. Uh, There we go. Sorry. Uh, It reads like this. It goes in Hebrews 10.10. And by that we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. So Jesus, when he died on the cross, he loved you so much that he said in spite of what you've done, in spite of the fact that you've said things and done things and, and gone play, in spite of all that, the minute you acknowledged me... I made you holy, I separated you from everyone else on the earth for an honorable use. I, it, you, you have an assignment that is greater than what you could possibly understand. I, I have made you holy, I have separated you. Um... Uh, and in response, we too should pursue holiness. I've talked about this for a couple weeks. Let me read this verse to you. It says this, is this in, in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 21. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. So, so Jesus made you holy. And then as we live our life, we're saying, you know what? I am going to separate myself as well for an honorable use. I'm going to dress different. I'm going to act different. Uh, I'm going to talk different. I'm going to try to be who I imagine Jesus wants me to be every single day. And, and on the days where I mess up and the moments that I mess up, I'm just going to remember that He loves me a great deal. And I want to talk about His love just for a moment because that's my first point. I've got four points today. I'm going to talk about the love of God. I'm going to talk about the persistence. Um, I'm going to talk about rewards in heaven and how to attain them. But let me talk about his love for a minute. The, the Bible says this in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 18. And this is Paul praying. He's praying that you, we may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, the length, the depth, and the height to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge. Now, sometimes we can start reading Scripture too fast. And, and what he's saying here is he's going, look, I understand that it is hard for you to grasp how much he loves you. I get that. Because goes, but I'm going to pray that you do, because I'm going to pray that you would know how high and how wide and in in the depth i he loves you so much how high he loves you so much i'm just going to pray that that you'll know that like really know that that's what i'm going to pray because i know it's hard for you um something happened this morning it was kind of uh, funny uh, my alarm went off this morning at at 4:30 and first thing I do when I wake up at 4.30 is go get coffee. Everyone say praise the Lord for coffee. You know, coffee is the nectar of heaven. There is zero calories in coffee. Now we can put calories in it, but if you just take it black and hard, zero calories. Just man up and pound it. I'm telling you. It's worth it. But anyway, um, uh, so I go get my coffee and, and then I, I go to uh, our, rest, our our bathroom and I'm standing at the sink drinking my coffee. I'm getting ready to go in the shower and, and all of a sudden I see this little head stick through the door. We've got a three-year-old, just sticks in. And I'm looking and I'm like, what are you doing, Bug? Now, her name is Kate, but we've never called her Kate before. <laughs> her name is Bug. Uh, and so I said, I said, what? what are you doing it's like four forty-five in the morning and and she goes i need a wet warm rag and so i said bug what are you doing she goes i don't think you understand what i'm telling you <laughs> she goes i need a wet warm rag I'm like, well, one wet, warm rag coming up. So I get a wet, warm rag, I squeeze it together, and I hand it to her, and she starts wiping her legs. And, and it dawns on me what she's doing. Um, we're trying to wean her uh, from wearing diapers at night. And so about, she'll do good for two or three days, and then she'll mess up, and then she'll do good. And when she messes up, my wife will get up in the middle of the night and hear her crying and get a wet warm rag and wipe it all off and then put her back to sleep. So here she is at 4.45 and she's, she messed up and she's sitting there trying to wipe it all off. Now, let's just pause this moment for a minute. If I could jump into your hearts, because I can feel it, I feel you, even though you don't know my daughter, I feel you loving her. Right? Nobody is sitting there angry at her. You're loving her. You're just like, what a sweet little girl. Now keep in mind, she just peed in her bed. (laughs) Right? Like we all agree that's not something she should be doing. But... We're not looking at the action, we're looking at the heart, right? This love that you have towards a girl you don't even know is looking past the fact that she just peed in her bed. But what you're seeing is her heart underneath that. And I just want you to know that whatever level of compassion you have towards my daughter, who you don't even know, is pales in comparison to how much, how wide and how high and how big the love of God is towards you. And when you do something you shouldn't do, he does the exact same things that you just did. He goes, yeah, you shouldn't have did that. I think we all know that. Okay, but I see your heart. I see your heart. His love, we can't get it. It surpasses our knowledge. It's too big. We are harder on ourselves than God is. It's hard. We think God judges us as hard as we judge ourselves. No. No because he actually loves you more than you love you. And I know that you are your favorite subject, but he still loves you more than you, he loves you more than your dog loves you. How many of you own a dog? When you come in the house, does your dog not go, Now, if you own a cat, this is what your cat does. What are you doing here? But your dog starts shaking his rear end. Your dog, I've said this before, your dog loves you more than your mom loves you. If you take your mom and your dog and throw them in the trunk of a car and close it, and then open the trunk which one's happy to see you. <laughs> your your dog your dog looks at you like you can make sticks fly. Your dog, or but your dog is a can't even doesn't even have hands. It can't even talk. dog, in comparison, your dog loves you this much. And God, He says, "You're the apple of my eye. I'm staring at you all the time. I know when you sit down, and I know when you stand up." He loves you. And and Paul is praying. I pray that you would just get that. Um, and, and in our response, we say, oh my goodness, like, it's going to take all of eternity for me to understand your love. And, and in response, as I graduate to point number two, there's this persistence, this, this perseverance, if you will, that we need to find within us to not just say, you're my savior, but to say, for the rest of my life, Lord, I'm going to separate myself for an honorable use. I no longer live for me or my own enjoyment. If it feels good, do it. No, I I I, I live for you. I I am yours. I live for you. Um, I, I saw this morning on my uh, whatever feed uh, the Chicago Marathon is this morning. And I've got some friends running in it. And it's so funny when I look at all of their pictures because uh, they haven't started running yet, but they got like new shirts and and they look so cute and they're taking pictures of their clothes in the hotel room. And when they get to the starting line, they're like taking selfies and they look so cute. And I can't wait to get out of church and see their pictures (laughs) after they just got done running. Because they're going to have, like, an eyelash, like, right here, right? You know, it's just like, they're going to just be mangled. And they're going to be like, oh, why did I just do that? And all of a sudden, it's not cute anymore, right? Uh, it's funny to us, but it's like, what happened to the selfies? Don't look at me. I'm hurting. I'm hurting. It's easy to start a race. It's a whole other ball game to finish one. Around mile 17, 18, it's not fun and games anymore. Um, we're not like so proud of our new shirt anymore. It's starting to require persistence. And I've ran a few races and I've seen people just walk right off. I'm done. <laughs> Bye-bye. I'm like, you can't do that. You can't do that. And I just want to say that you, you, you can't not have persistence. It's not a start and stop journey. It's a line in the sand. It's, Lord, I am all in. And when you mess up and you end up wiping some some muck and dirt off you, he's looking at you and he's like, we're okay. But, But let me make myself abundantly clear. There are Christians all over the world calling themselves Christians, but not pursuing holiness at all. And that's unacceptable. Let me read a scripture to you. It reads like this, in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 26, Dear friends, if we deliberately continue sinning after we have received the knowledge of truth, there is no longer any sacrifice that will cover these sins. There is only terrible expectation from God's judgment in the raging fire that will consume his enemies deliberate sin. I know what I'm doing is wrong, but I'm going to do it anyway. And guess what? God's going to forgive me. Now, we're not going to say that out loud, but it's just our overall attitude. I know what I'm doing is wrong, but he's going to forgive me. Now, if you're a visitor here today, you've got a big decision to make because this church is going to talk about the entire Bible because I want you to be prepared. Now, some people in the last days, the Bible says in First Timothy, that they will gather around themselves teachers that will tickle their ears. And so if you're a guest here today, you may be saying, I don't want to hear that. I'm going to go somewhere else. <laughs> oh, that sounds much better. <laughs> Thank you. Look, here's the thing. The Bible says that teachers will be judged more harshly So in other words, he's in one mood while God is judging people and then all of a sudden a pastor walks up and he starts judging in another mood. He gets, because were you not telling people what I like and what I don't like because you want them to like you? Frankie, you told them what I love, but did you tell them what I hate? You know, it's a whole different ball game. And so we're going to talk about what he loves and what he hates. And when we find out what he doesn't like, we have to back up and say this to ourselves. There is a deliberate sin, a flagrant sin. In James chapter 4 verse 4, it says this, You have become spiritual adulterers who are having an affair, an unholy relationship with the world. Don't you know that flirting with the world's values places you at odds with God? Whoever chooses to be the world's friend makes himself an enemy of God. And so what's the heartbeat of this message? God made you holy by dying for you, but you and I can't walk around and treat holy things like common things. Holy things are what we need to desire and long for and pursue not run from. See, it's almost kind of like if this is the world and this is church, the world is getting more and more um, away from Christianity. They're getting more and more away from the things of God. And we as the church can't follow them in that direction. We've got to stay where we are on the principles of God, and if they want to drift, we got to show them we're not willing to drift. I'm not willing to dress like you, talk like you, act like you. That is not holy. And I may not be holy, but I'm pursuing it. Are you with me? Um, Let me talk about rewards in heaven, because I've got a friend of mine who said this years ago. He said, Frankie, we were sitting at the Waffle House at like 3 in the morning. Anyone here love the Waffle House? Oh my goodness, I love the Waffle House. If you've never had a pecan waffle with cigarette smoke inside of it, (laughs) you haven't lived. And so... uh, (laughs) Um, And so uh, we were sitting at, at the Waffle House and... I remember him telling me, he was like, look, Frankie, I know you're worried about whether or not I'm going to get to heaven. And I just want you to know I'm going to be there. I'm not going to have a ruby in my crown like you, but I'm going to be there. And I'm sitting here going, I I don't think that this, (laughs) I don't think you know what you're saying. Um, Because it sounds like He's trying to, you ever see those guys in the circus where they're riding two horses at once? They got a a foot over here and they got a foot over here and they're riding two horses at the same time. That's not how you can do Christianity because they're not running in parallel. One's running that way and the other one's running that way. You have to pick which horse you're going to be on. Now you can fake us, but you can't fake God right? So watch this. There are certain rewards available. It's more than just a ruby in a crown. These are significant rewards. When we get to heaven, um, just like if you were to walk on on an Air Force base, you'll be able to look around and see people at different rank in the city of heaven. Um, in fact there's five different crowns not all of us not all of our crowns will look the same there's a crown of life an incorruptible crown a crown of righteousness a crown of glory a crown of exaltation there's different crowns that mean different things that show a different rank and if that's not far enough what you wear for eternity it's not like you wear it for a week and go this is not really what I'm looking no that's your outfit girl And So in heaven, watch this, in Isaiah chapter 61 verse 10, uh, it shows that there are two different gowns or or robes. There's the garment of salvation and there's a robe of righteousness. So if all you did was just believe that God died for you, you're going to be in heaven and you're going to get a gown of salvation. You're saved. You're there. But people who pursued righteousness, and that was important to them, because if it's important to God, it's important to me. You are wearing a robe of righteousness. We can tell just by looking at you that while you were on the earth, you were pursuing God. While you were on the earth, you didn't get caught up in in things that were distracting you from the things of God. See, hell will look at us and and watch our tendencies and back up and take notes and say, when they start pursuing God, the only thing you got to do is stress them out. Once they get stressed out, they'll stop thinking about God. For other people, it's a different play. As soon as he starts thinking about God, just send some Trixie girl over there and we'll just knock him off his rocker. By the way, don't date anyone named Trixie. Just... Just a little note. Um, rewards, attire, leadership. There's some people in heaven that will be citizens of heaven, and there's other people in heaven who will rule in heaven there's watch this let me share this with you when when the lord um told the parable about passing out five talents to one person two talents to another person and one talent to another person if you go home and read about it in matthew chapter 25 he gave one person five talents he gave another person two talents both of them doubled their talents both of them doubled what they, were, what, they were, what they received, and both of them received the exact same reward. The reward was, you will be a ruler over many things. So it doesn't matter how, many, how much talent you were given on this earth, it matters what you do with it. The person with two and the person with five got the same reward. They are able to rule over many things. But the person that had one talent, if he would have come back with two, he would have ruled just as much as the person who had five and came back with ten. But he didn't do anything with it. And so what was supposed to be his... The area of heaven or eternity, I don't know what it looks like, but whatever he was supposed to be a ruler over got taken away and given to someone else. So when we get to heaven, we're not gonna dress the same, we're not gonna look the same, and we're not gonna do the same things. What you believe determines where you go. How you act and behave determines what you will do when you get there. And so there are people who will rule for eternity. When Jesus said the least of these shall be the greatest in heaven, he's establishing rank. Don't let your heart get cold to where you back up and say, well, I don't care what I'm doing when I get up there. I just want to be there. Look, when you're ruling with God, there's a certain proximity that you get to have as a ruler. There's a certain relationship that you get to have as a ruler that others will not have. All because. Of how we lived here on earth. Was holiness and righteousness important to you? Or did you live your time on earth? I just want to be there, man. I just want to be there. Because it has eternal consequences. Now let me move into my fourth point. What exactly do we do, exactly do we do down here to have the Lord back up and say, I can't wait to see you because there's rewards waiting for you. So in my, as I go into my fourth point, number one, the people who take the Great Commission serious. In my own words, the Great Commission is to search for people and help them become believers. People who do that, The Bible says that those who share their faith with others will shine like a star in heaven. When you walk around, it's going to be like, where's Jonathan? Where's Lisa? Where's Jennifer? Where's Shanika? I don't know, but... Where are all these people? And you, uh, there they are, right there. They're walking on top of a mountain, and you look over there, and you can barely see over there because it's so bright. Are you sure that's her? Are you sure that's them? Why are they shining so bright? Oh, you don't know what they did while they were on Earth. They shined. Your reward will be great. If you want to read about it, it's in Matthew. Uh, No, I'm sorry, not Matthew. It's in in, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 3 where Paul was saying one man waters and another man plants. And one man tells the person about Jesus. Another one actually preaches about Jesus. They're both going to get the same reward because God gives the increase. And it says that their reward will be great. It's that moment of saying... Thank you for caring about people while you were on the earth. I'll never forget this story that I heard about this atheist. He says, you know, the reason why I don't believe in Christianity, the reason why is Christianity believes that if I'm not a follower of Jesus, I'm going to burn in hell forever. And I've never had a Christian... Tell me about Jesus. How bad do you have to hate me to know that that's going to happen and not tell me about it? Because I don't know anybody who hates me that much. He goes, and that's why I don't think that they believe what they say they believe. Because if they really believed it, they would be telling more people about it. So I don't believe any of it. Isn't that sad? So the people that actually do talk about their faith, actually do invite people to church, when you stand before God, your reward will be great. Here's my last and final point for the morning. I got a call from um, a friend of mine who attends our church. And he called me up and he said, look, I've really enjoyed this holy series. And he goes, I just want to be holy. I, I want to be holy. Tell me what to do. And I said, you know, I can't give you bullet points on what to do. I could give you examples, but I can't give you bullet points. I said, but know this. The Holy Spirit has put it on your heart. You know when you're supposed to stop doing something or start doing something. You know. And if you, and let me just kind of break away from that conversation. I'll circle back to it in a moment. But if you are doing something That you know you're not supposed to be doing, and you do it anyway. Let me tell you what will happen. You will stop feeling bad. Your conscience won't even be sensitive anymore. And the Bible's exact words are this you will have a seared heart. It's like leaving steak on the barbecue pit for too long, it gets seared, it gets hard. It, it's, it, your heart gets seared. In, in the last days, in Matthew 24, it says this, the love of many will grow cold. So there once was a time when you did this or did that or wore this or wore that or went here or went there or said this or said that or thought this or thought that. You could feel the Holy Spirit say to you, don't do that but you you basically said shut up I'm going to do whatever I want to do it's not like I'm going to go to hell and slowly but surely your heart got seared now you don't even hear that voice anymore and your heart has gotten cold because you have this relationship with the world and on your best day you're lukewarm And, and this is something I was telling. No, I'm going back to that conversation. I said, the Holy Spirit will speak to you and tell you what to do and what not to do. But this is what I want to encourage you to do. And I was talking to him on the phone. I said, just take your prayer life to another level. Just take it to another level. We talk about prayer and look like we pray more than we actually pray. See, if I just stand on this stage, you will assume that I pray. Because I'm on the stage. You make that assumption. He's on the stage. He prays. You're playing the piano. I'm assuming you pray. Otherwise, you wouldn't be on the stage. So we have gotten ec- become experts at portraying an image that we want people to believe. But the Lord says this, if you pray in secret, without anybody knowing, if you are really a person of prayer, I am going to acknowledge you. If you want to know where that, that verse is, it says this in Matthew 6, 6, but when you pray, go into your room, shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. He's saying, I see it. I know you're in your car, but I see it. I hear it. I know you're walking down the hallway. I see it. I hear it. I know you finally got the house to yourself, so you're going to pray right now. I see it. I hear it. You go, but my prayer was only four words. He saw it. He heard it. He sees it, and he's just like, you can't see me, but yet you're still talking to me. Oh, I love you. I can't wait to see you. When I see you, I've got a reward for you. And we are going to rule and reign together. You're not just going to be a citizen of heaven. You're going to be a ruler in heaven. I hope that blesses you today. Would you stand to your feet? Would you bow your head and close your eyes, Everyone. without anyone looking around, let me ask you, if your heart were to stop beating in the next five minutes, are you 100% sure you know where you'd spend eternity? If the answer is no, would you just raise your hand right where you are, please? Hands are going up all over the room. Can everyone put your hands down just for a second? I want to talk to just those of you who have been a Christian as far back as you can remember because I got to tell you it is harder to share a message out of the Bible to Christians than it is to people searching for some truth because you've heard it so many times and you've become so professional you know it all but your heart has become seared and so now with your heads down and your eyes closed I'm just talking to you now just in case you've elevated yourself to a super status because you've been to church over a hundred times I want to just talk to you are you ready to see Jesus? because Jesus knows the truth would you just raise your hand right where you're at if you say I'm not ready I'm not ready I'm not ready I'm not ready hands are all over the room now let's raise both hands as a sign of surrender all throughout the building and let's say these simple words dear jesus i'm sorry for my sins would you please forgive me i need your mercy and i need your grace in jesus name amen let me pray over you, father when you stood in front of disciples while you were here on the earth, you said, I send you out as sheep amongst wolves. And, and Lord, just a, I, just a fraction of what you are feeling, I think that I feel because we're all about to leave this sanctuary. We're all about to leave this safe place. And we're going to be surrounded with people and surrounded by spirits. And they're wolves, God they're wolves. And so, Lord, I just pray a protection over every single person who can hear my voice, a courage, a grace, a peace, an intimacy with you, God. Lord, protect them and hold them close to you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.